Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. In today's show, we're going to talk about the jobless rates report of last week and what it has to do with the economy. We're also going to look at some new financial legislation as well as some interesting financial Christmas facts. So stay tuned, we've got a lot of good things coming. But let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. This is for the week ending December 4th, 2020. And as has been the case recently, it was another good week in the market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average went up a little over a point. The S&P 500 went up over 1.5%. The NASDAQ continues to be an overall leader right now, up a little over 2 Gold closed up 2.86%. West Texas Intermediate Crude on the front month was up 1.25%. The 10-year Treasury yield continues to climb at 14%, and we're going to come back to that because that's going to be important here in a minute. And as you might expect, then um, aggregate bond funds went down a little bit, about half a percent. And the dollar index also closed down about 1%. So let's talk about the unemployment rate and the um, economy and what it may have to do with what the Federal Reserve and Congress are both going to do. So the jobs report came in last week. And in total, the United States, um, we got back about 245,000 jobs rounded. So that brings the reported unemployment rate to 6.9%. Now, there's some economists who believe that this is an underrepresentation of how many jobs have actually been lost. And there is a feeling that it's somewhere between the number that's here, the 6.9, call it 7 and potentially 10%. So regaining 245,000 jobs would usually be really good, except remember that we still have 10 million jobs that have been lost because of the COVID recession. So when you're looking at an unemployment rate that's that high, that much demand destruction that we know just simply happened from COVID, we're still expecting Congress, the House and the Senate, to take some sort of action to help provide some financial relief to people. Additionally, there's still talk of a stimulus check. So the stimulus check probably won't be part of the initial bill, but it might be a second bill. Again, economists, and and by economists, I'm talking about people within the Federal Reserve System, are saying that it's really important that we have this stimulus because people are really struggling. I'm sure you've seen, like I have, the horrible pictures in front of the food banks. 
I have friends who can't get jobs. I mean, this is this is really a very difficult situation for a lot of people. And yes, the market continues to tear up the town, but the stock market and the economy really aren't the same thing. Eventually, I think that the economy will begin to reflect more in the stock market. But for right now, we basically have a tale of two Americas. We have the stock market part of it, and then we have the economy part of it. So as one way that the Federal Reserve can help with that is they can help add money, add liquidity back into the system. So the Fed takes two actions, and we're going to look at the details of this in the Ask Peggy segment, in the last part of the show. So for all the details, make sure you listen to the end. But the Fed can help economic conditions by adding money to the system, and they can help slow an economy down by taking money out of the system. So one of the things that the Fed is trying to do here is add more liquidity to the system. And there is talk that when they meet this next week, that they may purchase longer dated treasury bonds. When you buy a longer dated bond, that's going to pay a higher interest rate. By taking those out of the market, that will serve to lower interest rates a little bit. And remember, low interest rates are a good economic feature because it's easier for people to borrow. And at the same time, it adds more liquidity, more cash into the system because they pay for those bonds with money. So it simultaneously works to help lower the yield on the 10-year treasury and help add money to the system. Now, if you're a lender, if you're the holder of bonds, this is not good news for you. Because as interest rates go down, bond yields go down, purchasers of bonds, you know, a lot of older people who buy for income have trouble in this environment. But if you're struggling and you're needing to borrow money, anything that can be done to lower interest rates is a good thing. And related to that, if you are even considering refinancing your house, this might be a good opportunity to go in and see what rates are doing, especially if we wait and see what the Fed does this week. Because seriously, I can't imagine a more favorable borrowing environment than what we have right now. So if you're thinking about refinancing, I wouldn't refinance just because rates are lower. There's a whole lot of factors that go into whether or not it makes sense to refinance. But if you're thinking about it, this is a good time to look at it to make sure that you take advantage of the best situation that you can. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I have a couple of new pieces of information for you today. Number one, student loan payments were deferred through December 31st originally because of COVID. And during that period of time, interest wasn't accruing and people didn't need to make payments. Well, that date has been extended now until January 31st of 2021. So you have an, an additional month not to have to make a student loan payment and still not accrue interest. 
This was done because of the current conditions of everything with the COVID pandemic and the fact that it's really in some ways scarier about going to work right now than it was a few months ago. And the student loan system was worried about trying to get everything turned back on to start processing payments that would be due December 31st. So really, it's kind of a hope that the medical conditions get better and it'll be easier for the loan organizations to handle the payments come January. In any case, if you have a student loan, you have an extra month that you don't need to make a payment. And with money so tight, like it is for so many people, like what we were talking about in the last segment, it might be a good opportunity to take advantage of that. Additionally, and, and I do not give financial advice on this show, you know, advice being something tailored for you because I don't know your situation. But I would like to mention to people who have student loans, especially if they're government funded or backed student loans, that there's a lot of talk right now about trying to provide student loan relief to people. And I would guess, I've read this nowhere, it's just what I think, it would be much easier for the government to handle their own loan apparatus rather than telling some other third-party lender, hey, you have to forgive this loan because, quite frankly, they'd have to offset it. It would be a real nightmare to the lenders if suddenly they couldn't collect those debts. So I think that if they do anything to provide student loan relief to people, it will start with those government-sponsored loans. As a result, personally, I wouldn't be in a huge hurry to pay them off right now. I'd make my payments, I'd make them on time, I'd make sure that everything was always up to date, but I might not make extra payments until I was really sure what the new Biden administration was going to do. I would hate to see someone rush out, try to pay something off really fast, only to have the loan forgiven six months later because that could be really aggravating. So the second piece of legislative news has to do with the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program. Remember where that was the program so that small businesses would be able to um, borrow money. And then if that money was used mostly to cover payroll, but it could also be used a little bit to help cover rent, to cover some utilities, that that loan became a grant and you didn't have to pay it back. So right now, they're just beginning to create the format to pay back the PPP loans and the IRS is now in the picture talking about how deductions are handled. So when you first see the article, if you don't think it through for a minute, it seems really overly obvious that if you've gotten relief, if you've gotten a grant to pay that, um, that payroll, say, you can't then deduct the payroll expenses for that month. So you offset your amount of deduction by the amount of grant that you got. And, and that makes a lot of sense because you shouldn't be able to take a deduction for something that you got somebody else to pay for. However, if you have the PPP loan and it's still a loan, if it gets denied, 
then you can't deduct the expense because you got the loan. Now, I'm only finding things that are overviews. And again, because this is radio and I don't want to make you crazy with a thousand details, what I'm going to tell you is if you applied for the PPP or if you just decided to apply for the PPP and take it as a loan, you may not have the deductions that you think you have. Because with loans, you have to pay it back. And generally, you can have a business loan and you can still deduct the expenses that you paid for using that borrowed money. That doesn't appear to be the case with this. And there are some safe harbor exceptions. So what I want you to do is talk to the lending institution that loans you the money in the first place. I also want you to talk to your CPA. Now, this is very, very new. This, the, the news is really just breaking. So I think it's going to take all of us a little while to get up to speed as to what this actually means. But if you like to do your business taxes early, which would make you incredibly rare, most people file for that extension, then you need to be very careful how you're handling anything that you paid for using PPP money whether you took it as a loan or whether you had the loan forgiven because the deductions are probably not what you think they would be and I don't want you to get in trouble with the IRS. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I love good writing. And I found the coolest blog post. It's on a site called oploans.com. This is not an endorsement of oploans. I know nothing about the company. But they have a really great writer on staff who's a personal finance writer. His name is Andrew Tavin, and he did 20 weird financial facts about Christmas and I wanted to share some of them with you. This is from his blog. I'm going to put a link to this blog on my social media page. It's called Ask Peggy, as well as putting it into any information of anyone who's downloading this, because I didn't write this, and the information isn't remotely generated by me, and he did a lot of work on this. So the first thing that he said, which is really no surprise, is that people go into a lot of debt for Christmas and they said that in general people pay about a thousand dollars for gifts and four in ten won't be able to pay that back. So you know it's okay to give a nice gift if you can afford to pay for it but don't give Christmas gifts or holiday gifts um, any of the December holidays where you can't afford to pay for it. It's really, it's really just not good financial practice. So right now we see that people aren't going into stores, but there's a lot of online shopping that's going on. And there's also online gifts that are being given. And Christmas Day is the number one day for people to download new apps on their electronic devices. 
if you're worried about not getting something for Fido or Fluffy, you're probably in good company because they said that 20% of people buy presents for their pets and it's not just a single generation thing. Um, 27% of Gen Xers are going to buy gifts for their dogs and cats. Only 22% of millennials are. So the Gen Xers actually buy more for their pets than the millennials do. So 42% of us like to buy ourselves a Christmas present. You know, it's better to give than receive. Not, not apparently so much because 42% of us are going to get ourselves something for Christmas. Sorry about that paper, that paper rustling. It can't be helped. This is too many pages. So 14% of us buy gifts for coworkers. So if you're feeling guilty that you need to buy something for the people in the office or the people you're virtually Zooming with, maybe you don't need to do that because only 14% of people are doing gifts. So don't rush right out there and buy something. Now, sometimes we think that people feel guilty about what they spend, right? You know, you hear that, oh, it's the guilt of spending that causes people to overspend. Well, according to what Andrew Tavin found out, not so much. 63% of us do not care what we're spending on our Christmas presents. We want to spend it. We want it. We want to buy it. We buy it. Four in 10 of us can't pay for it, and we don't care. So 63% of us do not have guilt, which as a financial planner causes me a little angst. As a psychologist, it's probably a good thing. If you're going to do it, you, you might as well do it and enjoy it. But yeah, nobody, nobody's really feeling guilty. Um, so if you're trying to find the cheapest Christmas tree in America, it's in North Dakota. And in North Dakota, you can go get yourself a Christmas tree for $33. And if you want to get the most expensive Christmas tree, you get it from New York, which is really no surprise. And I'm sure they're talking about New York City, not upstate, where there are a lot of trees. On average, Christmas trees cost $59. Even though people say they don't give cards, they don't get cards, they don't want to give cards, they don't want to get cards, we all still do the card thing, apparently. 1.6 billion Christmas cards was sent in 2016. Now, I realize that's four years out of date, and I know we've fallen off a lot since then, but that's just the cards that people went out and bought. Doesn't count anything that people made. I have gotten more messages this year from people who are saying, hey, I think I want to do Christmas cards again this year because I think we're all just desperate for human interaction and wanting something fun that we can do. So do you remember the Will Ferrell movie, Elf on a Shelf? Well, there was some plan on doing a sequel to that, which would have been Elf on a Shelf 2, apparently. But Will Ferrell turned down $29 million to do Elf on a Shelf 2. I, I do not know why he did that. Perhaps he didn't need the money. Perhaps the script was so bad that even $29 million wasn't enough. But if you want to see Will Ferrell in Elf on a Shelf 2, I guess you have to offer him 
$30 million or give him a better script. Now, if Will Ferrell's turning that down, the singers aren't doing quite as well. So Mariah Carey, who wrote one of the newer popular Christmas carols, All I Want for Christmas is You, she gets $462,000 a year in royalties for that song, which is phenomenal pay. It's not Elf on the Shelf pay, but it's phenomenal pay. So yeah, $462,000 in annual fee or annual royalties for Mariah Carey. The very most expensive Christmas movie made was by Jim Carrey. And so if you're thinking about your Jim Carrey Christmas movies, you may be thinking about The Grinch, right? But no, it wasn't that. It was a CGI, um, so a graphics version of A Christmas Carol. And it cost $190 million to make. And it's still not the George C. Scott version, which is my personal favorite. But it's funny, I haven't even seen that movie. I'm sure many people have it, $190 million to make it. I hope somebody somebody watched it. So, you want to be Santa? Do you want a reindeer? If you want a reindeer, you may be happy to know that you can get one for about $1,000. Now, remember, your subdivision probably has reindeer rules, so you're going to have to get your reindeer a place to live and hire somebody to take care of him. So the $1,000 is just the beginning. This comes from someone who owns a horse. I understand these things. But if you need the reindeer, you can get one for $1,000, which means the whole eight reindeer set's going to set you back about $8,000 and um, all of the care involved in keeping it. The most expensive fruitcake in the world came from Japan. It was $1.72 million, and it's because the candied fruit were actually gemstones. So um, don't eat that. It'll make your teeth break. World's tallest Christmas tree was 221 feet tall. The world's largest artificial Christmas tree was 236 feet tall, so actually taller than the real one. And finally, if you want to wrap up all those gifts, America spends $7 billion on wrapping paper each year. So it's a really fun blog. I'm going to give you the link. Um, he's really very talented. And happy holidays early. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And this is my favorite part of the show. It's where I have the opportunity to answer your questions. So if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com. That's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com. And you'll find the link where you can click and you can submit your question then I'll get in contact with you, probably get some more details, and then craft an answer that can be educational for the people on the air and hopefully help you out with some information. Remember that I can't give investment advice, 
because I don't know your personal situation that well. So generally what I'm providing is financial education, kind of a broader level than something specifically tailored for you. But if you've got that burning financial question you've always wanted to know the answer to, but you were afraid to ask, this is your opportunity to do it. So go to askpeggy.com and submit it. Now, I'm going to admit to you that no one actually asked the question I'm going to answer this week specifically, but I do get general questions. Those general questions go along the lines of, Peggy, I've heard of the Federal Reserve. I know they're important. I know they meet. I know that maybe you know that they make interest rates go up and down, but basically I don't know what they do and why they matter. And so because we talked about the Federal Reserve potentially buying back long-term treasuries at the beginning of the show, I thought it would be nice to provide a little bit more clarity as to what the Federal Reserve does and why they do it. So it wasn't a really specific question, but it's a general question I get a lot. So let's start out with what the Fed is supposed to accomplish. The Federal Reserve is tasked with two things using monetary policy, and that is to control inflation and to help stimulate full employment. So the reason the Federal Reserve is tasked by to lower inflation is because when inflation runs rampant, remember it's like it was in the 70s and everything gets really expensive and inflation can get going faster than wages are going up and it can lead to a recession. So it's up to the Federal Reserve to keep inflation low. What makes inflation go up? Well, one thing that makes inflation go up is if the market starts getting too hot too fast. If the economy starts really bubbling on all four burners, that can cause inflation to start going up. And it has to do with supply and demand. And if there's tons of demand, people can ask for higher prices for it. And there tends to be tons of demand when the economy is doing well. So that's the first thing. So they trying to lower inflation would be slowing the economy down a little bit. But trying to keep full employment would be stimulating the economy and helping it do better. Now, basically the easiest way to think about this is the availability of loans and the availability of money. The more loans that are available at a low rate, the better the economy is going to do. The more liquidity or cash that is in the system, the better the economy is going to do. So when the Fed is trying to stimulate the economy, it adds money to it and it lowers interest rates. When it's trying to slow down the economy, it takes money out of it and it raises interest rates. So the way it takes money in and out of the market is by buying and selling treasuries. When the Fed buys treasuries, that means that they put money into the market and they take the treasuries. Um, the, the, and, and treasuries are bonds. 
when they're trying to take money out of the market, they sell the market treasuries and the market has to buy them. And so that takes liquidity, that takes cash out of the lending system and it puts it back in the hands of the Federal Reserve. So when the Fed said they were going to start purchasing long-term treasuries, they're putting money into the system. When they raise interest rates, it's harder to get a loan and it slows down the economy. When they lower interest rates, it's easier to get a loan and it stimulates the economy. So anytime you see the Fed lowering interest rates, they're stimulating the economy. They're raising it, they're slowing it down, trying to, um, trying to impact inflation. The same thing with um, buying and selling. If they're buying, that means they're putting money in. If they're selling, they're taking money out. That's a horrible view from 40,000 feet. It's not nearly enough detail, but I think for a radio show, it probably is plenty of detail. Hopefully you understand the Federal Reserve a little bit better than you did. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.